Hi, I'm Sydney Hampton. And I'm Gilda Wabbit. And this is Love Bites. Love Bites, ow. Our uh, new podcast where we'll be discussing uh, love, sex, intimacy, intimacy, connection, relationship, trauma, 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 bulba, trauma, bulba, trauma, bulba, it's trauma, bulba. Um, yeah, so we're going to answer questions from listeners uh, that are submitted to reallyqueerpod at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-Y-Q-U-E-E-R-P-O-D at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Wow, that, that way that I followed that in my head. Um, yeah, we'll be collecting uh, submissions from you all, so if you want to get some um, sage advice from two people who have been super successful in love. Yeah, I didn't go through two large breakups last year after mm-hmm. a divorce before the pandemic. No, mm-hmm. not me. No, and I'm I've been with the uh, I've been with the same person for sure for, you know, 12 years and I definitely didn't get a divorce and have a rough breakup and then a string of new relationships that may or may not be. Frankly, learn from our mistakes. As two queer 30-year-old divorcees. Don't tell them we're 30. We're 24. I'm 30. I'll I'll be 30. I'm happy to be 30. I'm glad I made it this far. I'm still figuring it out if I want to be here. But yeah, (laughs) no, this is is our podcast that we're going to talk about um, anything from sexual health. If you have questions about STD testing or shame surrounding um, testing or any STDs that you may have, if you have questions about uh, if you should break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or they, them, uh, the answer is probably yes. And we're going to help you get there and arrive to a place where you feel confident in your own decisions. Yeah, baby, you're going to arrive. You're going to come. It's going to be a great time. Hell yeah. You're going to make this very horny, aren't you? I can't wait. It's romance. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Even, Even the estrogen can kill my libido, baby. Well, Gil, do you, I don't know, do you have anything before we before we dive in? We have a few submissions. I know, I'm excited for our submissions. I don't think I have anything to say. This is our very first episode, so I'm excited to learn about our format, get yeah. into what feels good. It, listen, sex, relationships, podcasting. You get into it, you're not exactly sure how it's going to work, and then you figure something out along the way, and it's an exciting ride. Yeah. And if um, 10 episodes into this, we decide to break up with Love Bites, that's okay. That's okay. That's not a failure. That's an attempt, and life is only an attempt. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that I ran away from something that didn't feel good. So. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> it would be the first time I ran away from something that did feel good. Honestly. Oh, <laughs> too true. Um, yeah, so our first submission, then, uh, is from an anonymous uh, person. It says, my Catholic mother is always on my straight brother about how he shouldn't be having sex. However, she's never talked to me about it since I came out as a lesbian. When asked why this is the case, my mother responded, because you can't have sex, at least not in a way that counts. Should I just take this as a win that my Catholic mother will always see me as a virgin, no matter how many AFAB women I sleep with? Is it important for the queer community to have a definition of sex that straight people can understand? Do you think defining sex in general is more helpful? Or harmful to the queer community. Before we get started, in case anybody doesn't know, AFAB means assigned female at birth. So someone who is um, born and assigned their gender as female. So typically someone with a vagina. So a lesbian is what we're talking about. I think this is a really good question. I think it's a really good question and I think that my personal answers are going to be confusing and unhelpful. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, let's hear yours. Okay, great. So first of all, 
I want to say this is a great, inter- interesting, nuanced, multi-layered question, darling. And um, I want to say people's definition of what is and isn't sex is largely made up. And when it comes to Catholicism, conservative Christianity, liberal Christianity, random morality codes, frankly, no one agrees on what is or is not true. And they will often make up the most convenient thing to disenfranchise you the most. I remember when I came out, of the closet when I was, um, that's a whole story. I was on anesthetic, like high on anesthetic. And I was like, mom, I broke up with Terry. And she was like, oh God. Um, but we were talking about sex after I had come down from all the drugs. And she said, are you a virgin? And I said, yes. And she said, you know that oral sex is still sex. And I was like, oh, interesting. And in that moment, she decided that sucking dick meant that I was not a virgin. Whereas your mom is deciding that just because you haven't had penetrative P and V sex, you are still a virgin. It's all fucking made up. And I, and I, and I, I don't want to assume the worst intent here from your mother, but like, that's annoying. And also it's not your mom's business whether you're a virgin or not. It's just not. It's your sex life, homie. Like, you're the one doing the fucking, not your mom. She did clearly at some point. But, like, she's not doing it with you. I hope. <laughs> I don't think that was unhelpful. Yeah. I think that's a really good answer. Yeah. That's how um, I feel about that first chunk of the question. Yeah. I spent a lot of time, because I was raised um, in, like, Christianity. And I think that, for me, sex was always penetrative. Like, it had to be penetrative sex, whether it was PNV or PNA. It had to be penetrative. Oral sex did not count. You know, that's the, the caveat. You know that you're you're saving you're saving your butthole for Jesus or whatever. Um, that was something that I like grew up thinking, and it wasn't honestly until like a couple of years ago that I really considered oral sex to be sex. So like whenever I'm talking to my friends and I'm like, oh yeah, I hung out with you know blah blah blah, and we fooled around. Whenever I say fool around, I mean we didn't have penetrative sex. Absolutely. Whenever I say, oh yeah, we were fucking, or yeah, we had sex, then it's penetrative sex. So like I'm still kind of in that realm of where I think of sex as penetrative. But recently, I learned what sides mean. Like a side? You've got a top, you've got a bottom, you've got a side. For the audience who's listening, tops are people who... Now, mind you, you can also be versatile and fill all these positions. Um, But top often means the person doing the penetrating. It's not about your physical position. It's about who is doing the penetrating, who is receiving the penetration, which is if you're bottoming. And then a side is somebody who, frankly, may not enjoy any form of penetrative sex, receiving or giving. Yeah, so I I learned about about side because I'm back on the apps. And I was like, what's a side? And I literally just asked somebody, so what's a side? Because Grindr has the top, bottom... Uh, Grinder has an option for side now? I don't use it anymore. Welcome to the 60s. Hey, Mama, welcome to the 60s. (laughs) That's so funny. But yeah, she's she's, like learning about sides and stuff. And I was like, uh, for a second I had the the fleeting thought, am I a side? But then I was like, no, I'm not a side. I'm a top. It's just what it is. But like, I'm learning about this. And I was like, can I still have sex with a side? Yes. Yeah. Because the way that we participate in the sex is still going to get me off ideally yeah and gonna get them off ideally yeah and that's sex 
So like, I'm still like, I guess the verbiage is kind of weird for me, but overall, I think that if you're, if you're in, engaging in um, something that is intending to be orgasmic, it's sex. Now there's like, um, but then what, what happens if you're somebody who like, I want to penetrate you, but like, I don't care if I orgasm. Yeah. I just want to be inside you. So here's, 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 I think this is a great segue into the second half of the question, which is it important for the queer community to have a definition of sex that straight people can understand? And do you think defining sex in general is more helpful or harmful to the queer community? I would love to talk about the way that definition of anything, the way that clearly defining language is only useful up to a point. It's inhibiting. Yeah, I, I think I think we run into, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how old or young you are. I don't know where you sort of sit in the spectrum of the queer community. But I remember when I was in my 20s, especially up until like 25, 26, um, I was very interested in defining myself and defining what I was doing. I was like, people need to have clear definitions so they can understand who I am about my gender, about my sexuality, about the art that I'm doing. I was like really interested in labeling everything. And what I learned as I got older is that those labels are super contextual. And just because I say to somebody, I'm this thing, and that there are some people in the world who agree with me or that I've put on Twitter a definition or I've found somewhere in the world a definition does not mean that everyone is going to know that and everyone is going to understand that. And so I think your question about is it important to have a definition of sex that straight people can understand and is defining sex helpful or harmful? The answer is that defining anything is in the context of the entire world, absolutely futile. Language is made up. It means different things to different people. It is a way to communicate and it is expressive. And if you cling to language in an extremely rigid way, you're going to run into, despite your efforts, people who do not understand what you're talking about or who misunderstand what you're talking about. So if definition of your sex life helps you to feel comfortable and to feel confident, um, that's great. If you have a list of adjectives that you use to describe your sex life that you that is helpful to communicate to others, that's great. But like, definition is not finite. Yeah, you can't define it and like that be it. And also, your sex will evolve over time. Hopefully. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sure it will. Yeah. I think I think even people who are like my sex life hasn't changed in blah, blah years, it has evolved. Like, like you may be having the same sex, but your feelings about that sex are different. That's so true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Does really, that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I think that um, having sex uh, or being able to describe sex in a way that makes sense and is palatable to straight people, um, I don't think that's important, truthfully. Maybe that's because I'm kind of in a bubble. Um, I don't really engage with a lot of straight people. Um, so I feel like whenever I talk about sex with my, like, my girlies... Um, or at the bar, or on the mic, or whatever. It's very, <clears throat> I don't know, it's very understood. Um, even if I'm having to explain something, like, we're going we're gonna to arrive to a place where they understand what I'm saying, and, like, what I'm feeling, and how I'm feeling about the sex. And you're going to come to a place? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it's important that we have a definition of sex that makes sense to straight people at all. Although, 
um, to the second part about defining sex in general more helpful or harmful. I think that's kind of a, I think it's, there's, it's a little bit of both. I think it's more important for the definition of the sex that you're having. I think it's more important for you to understand if that's something that's important to you, um, to like understand what you're doing and how you, how you would describe it and also how to communicate it with your partner. If you're having sex with someone and you don't know how to tell them what the, what feels good or what you want or what doesn't feel good, what makes you feel safe, that's that's a problem. But also, if you're having like anonymous sex and you just want to like, I don't know, have get crazy, in, get out, get in, get out sex, and you just want to you just want to engage in that to make you feel something, then that's also fine. I think it's up, I think it's up to the individual whether or not they want to define it. But I don't think it's important that we have clear language to define it to others who's, who we're not having sex with. Yeah, it's not anyone's... Um, it is not anyone's business yeah. how you're having sex unless you're having sex with them. Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to say, too, I, I know we're talking about, like, you need to know how to communicate. You need to know how to blah, 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 blah. If you're somebody who doesn't know what you like, doesn't know what you want to get into, but you want to experiment with sex. I think it's really helpful to say up front, like, hey, by the way, this is, like, exciting and new and fresh for me. And I may not know what feels good and what doesn't feel good in the moment. Can this experience be an experiment for me? Because the only way you're going to learn about what you like and what you don't like truly is by doing. Yeah. Like, there, there are going to be things that give you the ick just to think about it. You know what I mean? And that's great. But, like, there's also probably a whole smorgasbord of things that is sort of neutral for you. And you're going to be like, maybe I'll try it and maybe I won't. And maybe a partner will come along and say, like, hey, I really want to pee on your chest. And you're like, mm, that feels neutral to me. I guess I need to try it to figure out if, like, that's fun for me or not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay if you don't have your own solid definition. Um... I do think it is good to practice communicating either your solid definitions or the idea of I don't really know what I'm doing and like that's fun for me. And it yeah. should be fun. There there is shame that I think comes up a lot, but like I'm not trying to reinforce that shame for you. Yeah. And shame is kind of like shame is all all around us especially when it comes to sex. Like even even the most um sexually liberated person will experience shame with sex. I think. Yeah, shame is part of the smorgasbord of feelings. Yeah. You can't excise it from your body. It right. just exists, and it's exciting. S- someone said to me recently, they were like, no feeling is truly negative if you can, like, sit with it and hold it. And it sort of adds to the palate of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if all I had for breakfast all the time were sweet things then I wouldn't appreciate the sweet things. Yeah. I have to also enjoy the savory and the spicy and the bitter. And shame is kind of like that. Yeah. When I feel ashamed, my goal, now let me tell you, I'm not great at doing this, but my goal is to hold its hand and be like, baby, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, darling, I feel so ashamed. What are you telling me about myself yeah. and my past and my future? Speak to me, shame. I'm obsessed with you. Honestly, it's <laughs> And, like, you saying this, too, like, you, like, babying your shame in a way. Yeah. And, like, trying to... That's really... This is not even necessarily 
I know, we're, we've gone off the question. It's, and it's fine, it's yeah. fine. This is an important conversation, I think, because this does have to do with um, defining sex in general, helpful or harmful, and then shame. We arrived at a place, we're still on track. Yeah. Um, we've just gone further down the track than the question asked track, us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's really, really smart and helpful is that, you know, like, shame, you can't get rid of it and you're going to have to live with it. And being able to, to communicate with yourself and, like, Maybe you have, maybe you're like me and you have like a talk show in your head and it's just for you sitting around arguing all the time. And one of those, Inside Out, Disney's Inside Out. Shame is... Alternatively, The View. The View. <laughs> um, like you have your own View talk show in your head and, and shame shows up and it's it's making you feel uh, gross about what you like or making you feel shame that you're not more, maybe, you know, you're, you're experiencing, I'm not exciting enough because this person wants to do all of these, these quote unquote crazy things with me and I'm not comfortable with them and so you feel shame about not being what they need or whatever and I think that with with this kind of within the light of the question um, being able to handle that shame and like talk through it is really beneficial for anyone yeah and frankly I think if we had to, to really pull it around to the question again I think if we had a culture that was more comfortable with both shame and desire. I feel like they're like two sides of a similar coin. Oh, they are, if we had a culture that was more comfortable with both shame and desire, we wouldn't have to think about strict, clear, defined definitions of what is and is not sex to help people who are not having sex with us understand what's going on with us. Because as long as we were having conversations about what is consensual and who is enjoying themselves and who feels safe and seen, it wouldn't matter what other people were doing or how they were doing it beyond those things. Yeah. I think often when um, parents are trying to control our sex lives or tell us what's going on with us, I think it is their own inability to handle their own shame and desire. And they are speaking from the tiny narrow lane that they've been shoved into. Um, And they've been taught that that's the truth. And when we expand our definition of what the truth is by our existence, we confront them with questions that they're not comfortable asking. You're a therapist. Thank you. Gilda Wabbit goes to therapy and... um, I go to therapy, I light incense, I read tarot cards, and I masturbate a lot. Yeah. Every time I'm around, every time I'm in a room with Gilda, I feel like I, I feel like my brain, I feel like I get big brained. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chew on it. I'm gonna let it resonate. I'm gonna let it simmer, and then I'm gonna be a smarter, better person. And with that, I think it's a great time for a coffee and ad break. Play. Peace be with you. And also with you, are you looking for a new, exciting queer venture? Starting on Sundays at 9 p.m. at Play Dance Bar, we have Church, a brand new, dirty, grungy, dive bar show right here in Louisville, Kentucky, hosted by yours truly, Gilda Wabbit, featuring the likes of Sydney Hampton, Stevie Dix, KT Smiles, Sapphire Rose, Tana Boots, Vic Leone, Vivica Darko, Cole Michaels, and Brianna Burns. It's going to be a good fucking time. See you on Sunday. Hello and welcome back to Love Bites with Sydney Hampton and Gilda Wabbit. Mm, we are here to talk about um, our second question, 
Uh, and it goes a little something like this. My partner of two years and I recently got in an argument over a game of strip poker I played with my friends. I've played this game several times before, and I've never seen it as anything more than harmless fun. She, however, saw me playing a game with other people involving nudity as a form of cheating. How do you compromise as a couple who has very different boundaries and definitions of cheating? How do you say you have more open boundaries without making your partner feel like you don't care about them or feel any sort of possessiveness over them? This is a really good question because it's layered. So I would like to say, uh, I'm going to address this in segments. Um, You all got into an argument over the game of strip poker. Um, I'm assuming then that you brought it up probably harmlessly. Like, oh yeah, I had a great night tonight. Me and, and... the dolls played strip poker. And then maybe they were like, you did what? And then a conversation ensued, which then turned into an argument. You've played this several times before and you've never seen it as anything more than harmless fun. So your boundary with this is that it's it doesn't mean anything. Not even boundary, your understanding. Understanding, yeah. Your understanding of this is that it's harmless fun. You didn't, you didn't it never occurred to you that this would be a problem, which is not, I don't think, a fault of yours or theirs that they you know they they have a different understanding of it than what you did but it had never come up in conversation before so neither party at that point had done anything wrong um and this won't be a blame game i think that there's a clear um communication or understanding error here um when you talk to them about it they felt it was a form of cheating and you ask how do you compromise as a couple who have very different boundaries and definitions of cheating. The only way that you can come out of this is to communicate and under- and try to, I think compromise is a good word because you feel this is just a harmless, fun thing to do. And they feel very strongly that it's cheating. They're hurt by it. This activity that you find enjoyable and silly and goofy and cute or whatever impacts your partner in a way that makes them feel like you're stepping out on them or um, ruining trust and I think that all you all can do is discuss it why do you feel that way what can I if you want to continue to play strip poker with your girlies you know what can I do to make you feel more secure and that, is this something that you're you feel strongly about enough that you want to continue doing it or is it something that you're going to go you know that's just not really all that important to me and I don't want my partner to feel any kind of way so I'm just not going to engage in that anymore But if you do want to, then you all need to have a conversation about, you know, how do I make you feel safe and secure? What am I, what am I not doing or what am I doing that's helping or hindering our, what's the word, our communication in this? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't want to hurt your partner. You clearly care because you asked the question. Um, And you've been together for two years. Yeah, that's, and that's a, that's a pretty good amount of time. Like that's a, that's a long time. So... Yeah, I just don't think that it's... I don't think either one of you did anything wrong. Um, I think that if they have a different understanding of it, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not compatible either. You just have a different, you know, a different vibe when you're with your friends. Maybe they like to, I don't know, play video games with their friends and you want to get naked. And that's fine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I have a couple things I want to bring up. Um, Number one... And this is, we are earlier in the podcast, we talked about how definitions can be meaningless without context. And so I want to talk about my personal understanding of the word boundary um, versus 
the understanding of like what makes someone uncomfortable. For me, a boundary is like, hey, if this happens, I will respond this way. And so if, if I were, you know, your partner, my boundary would not be like, hey, don't play strip poker. If strip poker, if you getting naked with other people was very important to me and I felt really uncomfortable with it, then the way that I would create that boundary is to say, hey, I don't like when you play strip poker with people. If you play strip poker with people, I will respond this way. I will, I will have an, an action that I will take. I will, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's not a boundary that I'm defining, but like, that's, that's how I view a boundary is like saying like, if you do this, then I will respond this way as opposed to like, don't do that. Or that makes me uncomfortable because don't do that is an ask, not a boundary. And that makes me uncomfortable is not a boundary. It's an invitation to discussion. Uh-huh. Those are different things. Um, so like, for instance, when I was recently breaking up with a partner, I said, I will not talk about my feelings surrounding not living with you. If you try to talk about my feelings surrounding not living with you, I will not answer. But I will talk about the logistics of you moving your stuff out of my house. Yeah. That's a boundary. If you try to do this, I will respond this way. I will not answer is my boundary. You know what I mean? Um Great. And then another thing uh, where, where you said, how do you say you have more open boundaries without making your partner feel like you don't care about them? So this is where you need to get into and dive into prioritization here. Because when you are in a relationship with a person, it is, I think, and now mind you, I'm a 30-year-old fucking drag queen with a wasted degree in classical music, okay? I'm not the end-all, be-all expert. But you're listening to our podcast. Yeah. So you're asking for my opinion. Um, Yeah, if your partner says, this thing that you do makes me uncomfortable, and your response is just, well, I feel differently than you, or I am more open than you, or I am less possessive than you. If that's your only response, that's not helpful. No. Because you're not taking into account your partner's vulnerability. That is to if, if that's if that's it, if that's like the the whole context yeah. of like, oh, well you think that me playing strip poker is cheating? Well I don't. If that's it, you're not responding to their invitation for conversation. You're not responding to their vulnerability by sharing with you their discomfort. You are putting your foot down And that is a certain kind of relationship style, certainly. But I think what it says is my, in this moment, this personal feeling that I have is more important than our shared sense of security, which is valid and okay. You don't have to be deeply committed to somebody. Um, But I think you need to get into with your partner where are our priorities? Where do our priorities lie with each other? Where do our priorities lie with ourselves? What is the sort of like hierarchy of feeling here? I think I think a lot of people, especially young people, get into this idea of like anarchy when it comes to relationship. There is no hierarchy. No one is more important. But like there's always a hierarchy in the way that humans function. Even if that hierarchy is my feelings about this issue are more important than our shared feelings as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's yeah no and i will say the um as a uh as a student of the gilda wabbit school of let me share my therapy lessons with you um whenever you're whenever you're having a conversation about like anything that's bothering you with your partner um taking on the i did this at the the tail end of my last relationship like really started to like apply it and have since used it and it's been very successful is if you do this i'm going to respond this way and i do it with like people that i'm seeing i do it with i've done it with my parents i've done it with my friends where it's i'm not telling them what to do i'm not threatening them i'm saying if you do this thing i may get upset and behave this way I will react in this way. If you don't do the dishes, then I'm going to react by being a little bit angry and I might, like, I don't know, I might not take out the trash as, as, because I'm petty. Or if you, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just you know, true. know yourself. I know, know myself yourself. very well. I know yeah. my, yes, I'm, I'm unfortunately too self-aware sometimes. Um, if I'm, if I'm with somebody and they are repeatedly um, just like kind of, you know, drag queens love to read and yeah, and be a little bit shady. If someone just doesn't ever know how to stop, this happened recently. You can bleep that out. <laughs> I just or, thought it was funny. Or not. I mean, it was. Um, she, she can't, she doesn't have a phone. She can't listen to this. Um, but yeah, if somebody. <laughs> If somebody... <laughs> she only does drag by snail mail. Honestly. She gets her bookings by pigeon carrier. Oh, my God. I love that for her. That's so funny. God, that's true. so chic. Actually, that's animal cruelty, but... Yeah, well... Do pigeons really consent to being Camille carriers? Get back on track. <laughs> Where Nobody, was I? We don't need to ask this question. Hold on. Where was I? So, yeah, if a friend is, is like, really, really reedy and just getting my goat constantly and trying to pick all the time. And maybe I've been going through something recently and I'm like a little bit more sensitive or something. Then I might say, um, you know, hey, sis, cut the shit. And if they don't get it and they continue to do it, I can say, you know, if you don't stop this behavior, I'm going to respond by giving it back to you tenfold because right. I've, I'm at my boiling point and I'm at that point where my, my little Torian horns are ready to go clear through your chest. So, like, cut it out. And it's not necessarily the greatest form of expression, but... But it is clear. It's clear. It's concise. I'm letting you know now, this isn't vibing with me. I'm not enjoying myself with you right now. You're being, like, really shitty. And if you continue to be shitty, I'm going to leave. Right. Or I'm not going to hang out with you. Or when I see you out at the bar, I'm going to give you, like, acquaintance. Like, what, how I treat acquaintances. Like, I'm not going to be your friend. And that's an important boundary. If you constantly touch me and pull on me and touch my hair or you're, like, really aggressive when you try to, like, get my physical touch or whatever, then I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. Or if you continue to do this, I'm going to yell at you in front of people because I'm, I've told you multiple times and now I've got to, like, really stand and say, don't touch me like that. Yeah. So, like, in this instance, it could look like if you continue playing strip poker with your friends, I'm going to feel less comfortable being intimate with you because my security and safety has been compromised by this behavior. Yeah. 
Um, and that can be really hard to hear, especially if you disagree with someone's understanding of yeah. an action. Um, and so that's when you, and like, I'm, I'm strongly pro breaking up is never off the table because I think it allows you to be more centered in yourself. Um, and so like, like that can be really challenging because you have to decide then like, oh, is my relationship with this person and my care of their feelings important enough for me to stop, listen, and possibly compromise? And that compromise doesn't have to be like, I'm going to stop playing strip poker. It can be like, I want to play strip poker. I have a different understanding of how it works. But if you're uncomfortable, there are ways we can go about reinforcing our relationship, reassuring you that it stops here or that this means nothing or reassuring you that like my sexual intimacy is is prioritizing you. Like there are lots and lots of ways you can respond. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's not like a clear cut answer. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these aren't gonna have a clear cut answer. Um, and I think that that's a really good way to put it is that like, and this is important to understand for anybody in a relationship. You may want to compromise. You may want to have communication about, you know, you might say, for example, I'm not comfortable with you playing strip poker with your friends and it makes me feel this way. And your response may be, well, I really like to play strip poker. And you may want, uh, or they may, your, your partner may want to say, you know, well, what can we do about that? Like, how can we compromise? How can we feel? How can I feel comfortable with this? Um, or what can we do to to mitigate the hurt um, that I feel, and how can we make me feel more secure? And and you, the person who plays strip poker, I guess might not might not want to compromise. It might be a hard line for you. I'm recently dealing with this, where it's like you want something that someone's just not going to give you, and you can try to compromise, and you can try to ask for compromise, but some people just are not willing to compromise. And, and that's, that's okay. That's, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It's frustrating. It can be frustrating. It, yeah. It can, it can kick you right in the pants, but that's, that's their prerogative and they're yeah. like an individual human being. Yeah. And you can, you can like try to, you can, you can do everything that you want to try to like feel secure and safe in your relationship. And then some relationships just aren't safe and secure. And it's not necessarily that one person is like, necessarily the bad guy right or that there's one that's better you know it just it sucks yeah you can have the most healthy communicative relationship at the end of the day and still realize that you're not compatible yeah that's that's often i think what communication leads to i think that's why people are afraid to communicate yeah. is because they are afraid to lose somebody because the more you talk the more you learn about your boundaries and your comforts, and you might learn that someone is not compatible with you. Yeah, that's what happened with my marriage. Yeah, we communicate. I communicated, and it didn't. It didn't. Um, there was no compromise for it, and you know we were not particularly great at communicating to begin with. But you know the communication that did happen was that you know I want this thing, they don't, and you know whenever you don't have something, it can make you feel. I don't know, like, it could just make you feel like shit. Absolutely. So, you know, that's why, you know, that, that led to us splitting up or whatever. And now, you know, you might, you, this might happen to you where you all have, like, because this is, this, is this is one instance where you all have 
a boundary or an understanding issue. issue. This is just strip poker. You know, there are going to be other times where you have something that might not feel particularly good. And this is just one of those. So depending on how you handle this, it might be best for you all to split, which is not what you're asking. You're not asking us if you should stay together. We have decided that your relationship is over. We're ending (laughs) it on this podcast because we're extrapolating from strip poker. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you guys, you all have this conversation. Um, I'm not really sure what to tell you as far as like, how do you, how do you say you have open boundaries like personally. I think we covered it. I think we covered it. Well, I mean, like how to like I don't I don't know exactly what to tell you to, like to say. But I think that given what we've talked about, yeah. you can kind of infer and and really you, you got to chew on it and sit on it and think. Yeah. And what does this feel like for me, um, personally? Anyway, <laughs> I hope that we helped answer your question. We didn't. And if we did not help answer your question, I hope that we said enough things that will help lead you to some clarity somewhere in the future. I went off the rails. Thanks for writing in. All right, friends, that was Love Bites with Gilda Wabbit and Sydney Hampton. I hope you all enjoyed this lovely episode. If you have questions you would like to submit, you can send those to reallyqueerpod at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-Y-Q-U-E-E-R-P-O-D at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Per, and you can follow Gilda Wabbit at Gilda Wabbit on everything. And you can follow Sydney Hampton at the Sydney Hampton on everything. 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 We love yeah. it. We are very brand aware. Thank you all for joining us. Bye.